Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. morning routine is all about starting your morning with intention and kind of bringing these morning winds with you into the rest of the day. Hey folks, this is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Super appreciate it. As you know, I do not take it for granted. We have a billion, million, quadrillion things vying for our attention. More podcasts popping up every day. How do you know what to listen to? And the fact that you're listening to this is humbling and I won't waste your time. So thanks again. I've got a wickedly cool guest today who's near and dear to our heart, Benjamin Spall, author of My Morning Routine, or actually co-author of My Morning Routine. You all know, if you've been following Unbeatable Mind, how important the morning ritual is for Unbeatable Mind to win in your mind before you step into the battlefield of the day. So Benjamin has focused on that and written a freaking best-selling book about it. How cool is that? Anyways, before I kind of introduce Benjamin um, a little more formally, I want you to remind you that our Burpees for Vets initiative is cranking along. I've passed 70,000 burpees myself. We're into August. We started in January. Our goal is to do 22 million burpees to help veterans who are suffering from post-traumatic stress. So we can suffer a little because they're suffering a lot. We want to help raise awareness and raise money for these men and women who have served us, you know, so selflessly. And now, you know, 22 a day are committing suicide. I just can't sleep at night without doing something about it. Many people, many people, and some of you listening here have jumped in and helped. We've had high schools help out. We've had uh, Jesse Itzler's, you know, tough group has, you know, raised like 10 grand for us. We've had the Spartan community jump in on this and do a 30-day challenge. You can participate by either sponsoring someone like me, go to burpeesforvets.com. You can sponsor me for my initiatives. I'm doing 100,000 vets. I'm donating 10 cents a burpee. You could put like one cent a burpee, whatever you want. Or you can start a team, which is what these other folks have done. And um, anyways, more information at burpeesforvets.com. And if you have a question, send an email to my executive director. This is all through the Courage Foundation, which I started a few years ago to help these vets. Uh, executive director is John Atwater, john at couragefoundation.org. Uh, thanks for your help. Appreciate it. One last thing. Um, we hold an unbeatable mind, a big unbeatable mind event every year. Next year, we're going to hold two, but this year is like an annual thing that, that happens in December. It's called the Summit. We already have 150 people coming. We only have a few spots left. This is a pretty cool event. It's it's more focused on motivation, inspiration, and learning from experts than it is just like learning the Unbeatable Mind model. Um, if you want to do that, check out unbeatablemind.com and our online training or our coaching. But this is really about coming together, reviewing your year, planning to knock the ball out of the park in the next year, meeting peers who are committed to integrated development and whole mind thinking and um, you know optimizing their success. So we don't have a whole... A lot of places left or spots left. So go to retreat.unbeelmind.com, retreat.unbeelmind.com. And I think there's still a uh, an offer left to join us that is at a discount, which will go away, of course, when we fill up or before. Okay, Whew. enough on that. I'm not a great promoter, you know that, but um, I got to do it. So Benjamin Spall. Benjamin, you're from New England or from England, right? Yeah, I'm you're, from uh, Old England. Old England, right now. <laughs> the original. The original England. Across, across the pond. I don't hear much of an accent. Have you eradicated that? or? Is it- yeah, no, I, I've lived uh, here in San Francisco for about three years now. My wife is uh, from here, so she's probably the person I speak to the most, so I think it kind of uh, eradicates it a little bit. 
Yeah, I still hear a tinge of it. <laughs> so you came to the U.S. a few years ago. You're a writer. That's your full-time profession, it sounds like, and now uh, obviously a blogger and an author. You write for the New York Times, not, uh, a nice um, balanced newspaper, I might add, <laughs> along with the Huffington Post. <laughs> New York Observer, Entrepreneur, Business Insider. Wow, you're a busy guy. You founded the um, web blog slash you know, portal, whatever you want to call it, My Morning Routine. <laughs> My Morning Routine in 2012, which this book came out of. Tell me, where did this idea come from? Yeah, so the, the initial idea back in 2012 uh, was along with my now co-author and co-founder. Uh, we were both really into productivity and time management and kind of habits. And at around that time, I had just recently read the book, uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And great book. My, yeah, it's a, it's a great book. And Michael came to me, my, my co-author, Michael came to me, and he had this idea of interviewing people about kind of the habits that they do every single day. And even though it's hard to believe now, because morning routines are spoke about so often nowadays, but back then people weren't really speaking about morning routines. So we quickly mm -hmm. realized if we were to ask people about their daily habits, it might be more interesting just to say, what do you do every single morning? Um, so yeah, we started out with that and we started out with just a few, a few friends. We had to like convince some friends to be our first interviewees. Um, but it's really, it's really gone from there every single week since the, uh, the end of 2012, we published a new routine and then, That's cool. yeah. And then a couple months ago, we released a book, which is, uh, half routines from the website and half all these brand new people that we got in touch with to, uh, just ask them what they do every single morning. Right. Cause you needed some named profiles right. like Ariana Huffington or whatever. Yeah. That makes sense. So before I get into kind of like what you learned and what some of the habits were and everything, let's talk about your life. Um, you know, what was life like in England? How did you become a writer? And what are your morning routine habits? Mm. So yeah, I, the first time I decided that I wanted to be a writer was at my first year of university in the UK, just outside of London. And um I, I was doing a marketing degree, and my uh, lecturer, my my teacher, she really complimented me on my writing, and that was the first time that the, the idea of writing, and because it was a marketing element, copywriting, uh, really came to me. So after university, I you know went for a few uh, smaller jobs, and I eventually landed on freelance copywriting, which is actually it was quite helpful when I was coming to the US to see my now wife because I could kind of copyright in between. But yeah, it was it was just constant writing, and then I'd like write for companies, I'd write for a smaller publications and then when we got the opportunity a couple of uh, a couple of years ago penguin got in touch with us about writing this book that was obviously a huge opportunity but it wasn't it wasn't given to us on a plate i had to uh, write a proposal uh, which was a big job in itself a big book uh, book proposal and then we actually had to get that accepted and since then the whole process of writing the book putting it all together and now you mentioned the new york times and certain uh, publications writing for them to help promote the book um it's been a, mm -hmm. it's been a huge un undertaking but it's also been incredibly rewarding to actually get this information out there and also kind of be allowed to, you know, write for these places to um, help promote the book. Well, wow, that's pretty cool. Is it something you're making a living with now? Is this your vocation as well as your advocate? I, I'm making a living with writing, but not uh, not just through the book. I still do. I still have copywriting clients. I still uh, work in the kind of corporate world with the writing as well. I see. And you're married living in San, uh, did you say San Francisco? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Three years now. Any kids? No, not yet. Not yet. So how old are you right now? I, you know? I just turned 30. Oh my God. Young <laughs> pup. <laughs> just I feel like, you know, just a reference. I feel like I'm 30. Right, right, right. 90% 90, 90 of the time. Like I can hang with my SEAL trainees physically. You know, I'm doing 100,000 burpees this year. Uh, you know, I just don't feel like I'm aging. Mm -hmm. I can't say that I look like I have an age, <laughs> but I do feel a kinship, although I'm 55. Right, right. Maybe that's my ego speaking, but I don't know. Who knows? Well, I, I certainly noticed it with this book. I have to say the last few months getting it out, I've, uh, my, my grades <laughs> have been popping up like, like never before. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Writing a book is like giving birth. It is hard, hard work. You know, even though, as you know, I mean, you went with Penguin. Having Penguin come to you is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. um, most people don't have that opportunity. So you, you created that, obviously, with your creativity and your skills. But um, self-publishing, you know, everyone thinks, yeah, well, now I got all these tools to self-publish. And that is true. But it's still hard, hard work. I've done both. I've done major publisher and self-publishing. 
I don't think I spend any less work on the right. major publication. You know, in fact, it's been more work on the, on the self one because I can update it and revise it mm-hmm. and, you know, come up with, with extensions to it. So it becomes more of like a business ecosystem. Yeah. No, part, part of it's which is what's happening with you, I'm sure. Yeah. And no, so. part of accepting the, the penguin offer was obviously because of who they are, but also it, it's just such an interesting experience to be able to work with all these people and have all these people on your side and like rooting for your success. So even if the book itself sure. hadn't gone well, the actual process of doing it would have been so much fun. And so, you know, informative, uh, but luckily the book is going very well and we're continuing to promote and it's a, yeah, it's, it's a really fun journey and it's certainly a journey in two parts because the actual writing process couldn't be more different from then having to then go out and promote it which is a whole different beast that's a whole different beast you know and and since we're on this topic i I, there's probably people listening who are wondering you know hey i want to get a book out or in the process um and i had a long discussion with david goggins about publishing you know with a major publisher versus self-publishing if you have a platform and you can kind of you know back and forth with me on this but if i think that if you have a platform than uh, a big platform like Goggins, then self-publishing is the way to go because you know you just you'll just earn a fortune and mm-hmm. you can put you can put the muscle behind all this or more public relations and um, promotion than a publisher will ever do for you. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that, and definitely people. I mean, unless it becomes you know a million, two million copy bestseller, people generally don't make that much money from a book. Many people don't make any real right. money from a book when you think that's about the time spent and the years spent to put it together. Right. Um, right. So, so that's totally for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I yeah, like my, my my way of the seal book, which can, you know is selling more copies now than I when I launched in 2012. Mm. I, I've made like a fraction of what I make on my self-published Unbeatable Mind book. You know, it's like five. I don't even know. I think I, I split the royalties with the co-author that <laughs> the publisher demanded. <laughs> right, right. And she she really did make it a better book. And I think it's like, so I split the 15% with an agent and my co-author. Mm-hmm. So that does, that leaves like 5% for me compared to 70%. Now, the caveat to this is, this is the however comma part. If you don't have a platform or your platform isn't well developed where you know you're going to sell, you know, 50 to 100,000 self-published books, then getting a major publisher is really the right way to go because it gets you out there. You get the esteem of having the Penguin name or St. Martin's name or whatever it is, Random House. You're going to get a lot of exposure. You just have to be aware that they're going to focus on it to get the book out the door and for about a month and three days after that. Yeah. And then you got to do the rest. No, that, that's exactly right. And I, I was actually, I'm, I'm sure he won't mind me bringing this up, but I was speaking with Ryan Holiday a couple of months ago here in San Francisco. Great guy. Yeah. No, he's, he's great. And I love his work. But um, we were speaking and it was about a month before my book came out. So he asked me how it was going and such. And he, he said to me, because we're actually with the same publisher, but he was talking about publishers in general. He said to me, you really need to push it yourself. You need to be the one going out there and getting publicity. And when, right. when publishers see that you're doing this, they will, you know, they'll, they'll help. They're really pushed because they're seeing it. You're pushing, but you can't right. expect them to give it to you on a plate because so many books are published every single week. They, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to put their efforts towards the people that they think are really working hard to make it a success. So Correct. you really, you really have to push it. You really have to work for it. Otherwise you're just going to struggle. Yeah. If you, if you think you're going to, you know, block out the time, get it done, then fire and forget and go back to running your business or go back to what, whatever it was you did, then forget it. You know, yeah. the book won't, it'll get buried. It'll still feel good to get it out there. You know, <laughs> no, That's exactly right. It'll be, it, it'll be on the new releases table for a week or two, but then it'll go into being, you know, a one, uh, a one copy title. And in order to not let that happen and in order to get that publicity for longer, you just, you really, really have to work for it. And we're lucky that yeah. there's there's so many podcasts, you know, there's so many places where you can promote your work and where you can promote the message and actually help people to see that information. Um, so right. it's, it's kind of it's, it's not a laziness aspect because you know many people have jobs where they have to work, but you just have to take advantage of what is available to you. Yeah, and I, I mean, I could see so many offshoots that from this that'll then become self-published, where you can earn seventy cent royalties. Mm-hmm. I could see the the workbook. I could see, you know, the daily routine, you know, the <laughs> evening routine. Right, right, right. Uh, I mean, I'd be already working on all these things, of course. So that's my style. And then I get bogged down and, <laughs> you know, have to go back to one thing. Yeah. Anyways, let's um, let's talk now about first. And then we, we chatted a little bit before we started. But where did this idea come from for my morning routine to, to do it 
as a like a business and mm-hmm. uh, you know content play. Yeah, so the the, the point of the website it was always a side project for us both. So Michael's uh, Michael's in um, design and UX and coding and such. I'm not entirely sure, but he uh, he understands that much more than me. But uh, and I'm on the I'm in the copywriting side. But it, it was always a side project for us, and we would interview one person every week. And it was probably a couple years into the actual project of having the website that we decided to monetize. And we still do that now. So we have a sponsor every few weeks and they'll sponsor kind of the newsletter and such. Um, but it, right. it was never it was never an enormous business and we never really planned on it being that way. Um, so when the book came along, it was almost as if the book and the website can kind of promote themselves. Uh, right. So we're, you know, we're promoting the book very much through our website and we're promoting it on different platforms as well. But the book itself, it has the same name as the website and it links to the website many uh, on many different pages. So it kind of is a, uh, a circular beast that kind of, we actually, we're getting many new website readers now who come from the book. So um, it's really worked out in that, uh, in that way. That's pretty cool. Hey folks, Mark here. Listen up, I've got a secret weapon for you to make your working out and training more efficient and to get better results and faster. It's called the Halo Sport, and I love this tool. Simply put, training with a Halo Sport allows you to develop your muscle memory faster. The headset applies electrostimulation to your brain's motor cortex to induce a temporary state of hyperlearning. How cool is that? That means you're going to get better results faster from anything that you do where you need to learn by moving, such as your SilFit wad, martial arts training, yoga, tai chi, or even running. Now, I interviewed Halo's CEO, Dr. Daniel Chow, a while back, and I was really impressed by his team and this underlying technology, the science of transcranial direct current stimulation or TDCS, which has over 15 years of scientific and military research behind it. I now personally use Halo Sport for many of my high intensity wads and when I do my Tai Chi training where I'm trying to learn some new form. When I train my movements with the Halo Sport, I do learn faster and I get more precision and I feel I can perform more aggressively. Halo Sport's already being used extensively in the military special operations communities. And from my SEAL friends, I've heard that they get great results. It's also used by many pro athletes, Olympians, and thousands of lifelong athletes just like you and I. So in my mind, Halo Sport is the ideal training tool for those like you who want to exceed your training goals. To learn more about the Halo Sport, go to haloneuro.com. That's H-A-L-O. N-E-U-R-O.com. And you can use the code Unbeatable Mind, all one word, Unbeatable Mind at checkout to get this awesome product for $475, which is $275 off of the retail price. Again, haloneuro.com. Use the code Unbeatable Mind. You won't be disappointed. This is a great tool. All right, let's get back to the show. Hoo ya. So I want to get into talking about like what, what the morning routine, you know, what you learned, what some of the most interesting ones were. But before I do, I just want to, you know, this is more for you and for the people who are listening who haven't, you know, participated in Unbeatable Mind or maybe haven't read my book, The Way the Seal or Unbeatable Mind, where I talk about my morning routine prescription. Mm. But for us, you know, we have a very specific prescription for a morning ritual. And the premise is that we've got to win in our mind before we step foot in the battlefield. I mentioned that earlier. And that each day is a lifetime opportunity. A, it's, it's a lifetime to fulfill your, your mission a little bit better. B, it, it's plausible. You know, I come from the warrior profession, the warrior arts. It's plausible that this might be your last day. So you want to prepare for it, right? You don't want to just get up and go. You want to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have a specific, you know, routine that, that includes some of the things I saw in your book and then includes other things, which I didn't see discussed at all. It's really interesting. So I, you know, it kind of reinforced for me, A, I've been doing this and teaching this since 2007. It's gratifying to see, you know, it being talked about in a broader discussion, but also, you know, how far I think there is to go in this because there's so much richness. And a lot of the morning routines that I read were just like, yeah, I get up and I have my tea and I protect my quiet time and, and all that's really good. 
but there's that however comma. It's like, oh boy, <laughs> we got we got some opportunity here, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so that's just my perspective, and I, I don't want to go through the morning routine unless you know we could maybe later on when we can contrast and compare uh, to some of these others. Yeah, no, it's funny that you say that because we specifically mentioned kind of in the book that having a morning routine is all about starting your morning with intention, which is kind of what you were right. saying, and kind of bringing these morning wins with you into the rest of the day. Um, right. And I, 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 I do take your point about so some of the routines are definitely more active and kind of more thoughtful than others. Um, but much of that was on purpose because we, we really wanted a very wide... Um, I don't know. We wanted to cast a wide net of the kind of people that we um, interviewed. So for the most part, we did that. We got pretty much equal on gender, pretty much equal on where people are from and all stuff like that. And we really wanted to also make it relatively equal in terms of how active or inactive certain routines were. Um, And that was that was partly more of a looking at the mass market. We wanted people to realize that your morning routine, it can be incredibly intricate. You can do, you know, you could run, you can meditate, you can do all these different things, or you can just get up slowly, have some tea, maybe sit down quietly, but you may not even necessarily need to do that. So there's definitely, as you'll go through the book, and as you mentioned, you did, there's there's some routines that you're like, this is crazy, this is tense, like, uh, you know, General McChrystal's, for example, or you yeah. you might go for other ones and you're like, huh, this is incredibly easy, I want to do more than this. Um, and that, that's kind of the point, that was kind of on purpose. Yeah, and I think, you know, you you were generally, I like that you weren't trying to be prescriptive or didactic, mm. or you have to do this or do that. You are just basically being more biographical and allowing people, successful people, just say, hey, this is what I do, Yeah, which is kind of cool. And you're right. I mean, General McChrystal, you know, being a soft guy, you know, I, that was kind of my routine for years. Get up, go for a run, you know, mm-hmm. right, right. <laughs> a hard one, right? And then eat a healthy breakfast and whatnot. And I don't do any of that anymore. It's really interesting. And so these routines will change as you change and as your life changes. Right. I'm more. I'm more like Susan Pivot or a Sharon Pivot. I forget her first name, but the, mm, the, Buddhist, Susan, I the Buddhist monk constructor, you know, who gets up and writes and meditates and reflects and you know does a certain kind of ritualistic practice, uh, which can also be very powerful. But then others, which were kind of interesting, is like you know I, I'm a super high powered on the go executive, so. <laughs> first of all, just waking up is good. <laughs> right. And sometimes I have to wake up way earlier and I didn't get enough sleep. And, but I need to at least need to do these two things, you know, have a cup of coffee and read the newspaper or, you know what I mean? Just right. hang out with my kids. Yeah. We have, fun. we have that question that's at the end of nearly every single routine in the book and on the website, which is along the lines of what do you do if you fail to follow your routine? And right. many people told us if they fail to follow, which is often getting up late or you know, having an issue with the kids or something, if that happens, they'll try to at least do one or two key things. And that could be meditating, that could just be having a, a short run, just something that you can get in really quickly. And people say that even though that isn't, you know, it's not that actual routine, it's significantly better than nothing. And it really helps them kind of get back on track with their day. Um, but to your point about it not being particularly prescriptive, that again was really on purpose because we, we were kind of sick of all these books and articles that kind of say, you know, you have to get up at 5 a.m., you have to do this, this is the way it has to be. And <laughs> yeah. I, I can see why people yeah, kind of, no, I wouldn't say fall for, but I can see why people are drawn towards these ideas. But we because really they, they want the they want the answer. They want the hack. Right. That's why the, exactly. the, hacker, they want... the, the, the hackers are making a lot of money right now because they're telling you do this, do that, do this, do that, and and you'll have forty years of Zen and you know Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Things. And while while we did we, we definitely like our editor was like, Okay, you need to give them some ideas. So we, we definitely were like, you know, try this for sure, you know, try meditation, try yoga, try working out, you know, at the very least try it. But we were saying you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to get up this time. You know, you may have a, you may work a night shift, you know, your morning may be 5 PM. Um, mm-hmm. so we just, basically we just didn't want to be dicks about it. You know, we wanted to really tell people <laughs> this is, this may not work for you, but try it anyway. And if it doesn't, that's okay. You know, try something else. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. And based upon your research, how important do the people you interview think the morning routine is to their life and their success? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I guess this wasn't surprising because a lot of the, um, everyone in the book you could say is self-selecting because even if we approach them they kind of agree to the interview um but yeah it's it's just incredibly important and we found the more and more successful people we spoke with like the executives the you know the, the, the generals people further and further up um the more likely it was that they do have a morning routine that's really 
kind of health focused in terms of their bodies and minds and mm-hmm. also what, what we found which was kind of surprising is that you know the more successful people were the more likely they were to get enough sleep and of mm-hmm. course that could partly be you know like people who are you know people who are less fortunate who uh, need to work longer hours they may not get it for that reason but many of us think of executives not getting enough you know not, not getting much sleep because they're working so hard but in reality we found that so many people just really focus on sleep and uh, we spoke with uh, Bill McNabb, who at the time was the CEO and is now the chairman of Vanguard. And he actually told us something along the lines of uh, he actually focused on, on his sleep ahead of his morning routine. So mm-hmm. even though his morning routine is incredibly important to him, if he wakes up and he's still a little bit sleepy, he will get some more sleep because he knows how important that is to him. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Sleep sleep is first. The sleep is really the out, you know, it, it affects everything. It, I call them the three pillars, sleep, nutrition, and movement. And you can include mm. exercise and movement, but it doesn't have to look like exercise. It could be play. It could be dance. It could be sport. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All of those are move forms of movement, but those three have like equal ability to affect your energetic and systemic balance. If any one of them is off, it'll throw the others off and it'll, you know, and you're out of whack, so to speak. So, <laughs> so if sleep is going to be off, you're already starting at a deficit. So you might as well balance that as best you can and then find your movement and your nutrition, you know, balance throughout the day. Yeah, no, that, I, I was actually recently speaking at a conference in New Orleans, and uh, afterwards, people were coming up to me and kind of asking how they can improve their morning routines. And every single one I would speak to, I would say, okay, what time do you wake up? And they'd say, oh, I don't know, like four, and they were going to bed at, you know, 10 or 11. And mm. I said to them, I was like, well, the problem here is, you, you know, you can't really have a morning routine if you're just tired the whole time, and you're like right. chronically tired if you're doing that many days in a row. Um, so it, it, it was kind of shocking, and so many of them I just had to say to them, you know, get some more sleep and then come back to me. But, you know, right now, that is what you need to focus on. You know, not everybody is a morning person. Uh, I mean, Benjamin, some people just have to work late. You know, they got they got the night shift or they're in a band or or they're writing late. And, and in other people, you know, like I'm thinking like Ernest Hemingway, super successful people, you know, with like write all night with a scotch in their hand and they're not waking up at 6 a.m., but they do have some sort of time during the day that would be akin to a morning ritual, don't you think? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I have to say, when we when we refer to morning routines in the book and on our website, uh, we're referencing the time between you waking up and either leaving your home or transitioning to the next part of your day. Even um, if so it's kind of- 8 o'clock at night. Exactly. Yeah. So if you yeah if you work a night shift, your morning routine may start three, four, five in the afternoon, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's fine. That's just it's just that kind of space, that time before you have to get on with the rest of your day. Right. Okay. So um, you you did three hundred people for this book, and you've done a lot more on your website. It's uh, three hundred for the website, uh, just okay. over three hundred, and then in the book, it's uh, sixty four full interviews, and then there's a bunch of kind of quotes from other people's interviews. Oh, that makes more sense because it probably the book would have been like six hundred pages long then. That that would be that would be a super big book. <laughs> <laughs> this massive tome like a Tim Ferriss book. Okay, <laughs> so what were some of the like the most insightful themes that were that mm-hmm. ran across most, if not all, of the the people besides that they had morning rituals. Yeah, I, I think the most important theme, and I really try to push this message to so many people, is that you really need to keep your routine short and easy to accomplish, especially in the beginning as you're forming it, as it greatly increases your chances of actually sticking to it. Right. And we've, we found this time and again when speaking with people, but to, to give a simple example is uh, if you want to start running, like you don't generally, you don't go to the gym, you don't generally work out, but if you want to start running one week as part of your morning routine, if you get up and decide you're going to run for an hour, or, you know, a very long distance, you're probably, first of all, you're probably not even going to make it the first day, but you're certainly not going to want to do it the next day. And it could be the same with meditation. If you don't really meditate, you decide I'm going to meditate for half an hour. That's going to be pretty tough. You know, even if you're not, even if you have thoughts going through your mind, that's not going to be a easy thing to do. So what we found while speaking with people for this book and for everything else is you really need to keep it short. So if you decide to run, you could just run around the block or say, I'm going to figure out a route which is about five or 10 minutes right. and do that every day for a week. And the same with meditation, you could decide to meditate for just two minutes if you want, or just five minutes, something really, really short. Right. Um, I personally meditate for just 10 minutes and it's it feels right. I could do it for longer, but 10 minutes feels right for me. And um, 
over time, you could choose to increase these things. So if you're really, really enjoying the running or really enjoying the meditation, you could choose to increase either, the, either of these things or both of them or anything else that you want to bring into your morning routine. But mm-hmm. you really do need to start small. Otherwise, you're just going to give up at the first hurdle. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's really true of any habit. And so you're talking about if someone doesn't have the habit of running, don't try to go all in and become a marathon exactly. in one week. You know, just crawl, yeah. crawl, walk, run is the term we use in the SEALs. That makes yeah. total sense. And to be fair, you know, you don't have to start something new to have an outstanding morning ritual, right? I mean, there's some people who have been doing the same thing for years. Mm. And I noticed others, you know, really started doing something new when their life changed or they moved or they got married or had kids or, you know, something like that. Yeah, no, totally. We, we speak about this in the book and so many people think, they don't have a morning routine, but pretty much all of us do. Pretty much all of us have this thing when we get up. Many of us, the first thing we do is just go to the bathroom. So that's like the first thing. But um, so we all have something we do first thing in the morning. And um, another example is many of us get up or we may not even get up. We may just reach over and grab our phone and hold it inches from our faces. And check um, email. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, many so that, people that would be us, called the difference between an ineffective morning routine and an effective morning routine. That's exactly right. Yeah. Many people told us they do this. And, um, but the people, every, pretty much everyone who told us that they do that said that they don't want to do that and they feel bad that they do that and it doesn't make them feel good. Um, so you can well, replace let's, that. Let's pause can... there. The one, the one caveat to that is, and this is very real, is that there's certain executives and professionals mm-hmm. who like, they, they have to check what happened on the other time zone, yeah. especially people who are in global organizations, you know? So yeah, they're, they're more stressed if they don't make sure that there's not a response that's required from them or, you know, yeah. No, 100%. And like the, the same is true. It, it can't always be, uh, it can't always be done that way. And like, for example, for the last maybe year and a half, I've kept my phone in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I put it there about an hour before going to bed. And then I, if I, if I can get away with it, I don't actually turn it on. I have it on airplane mode overnight. And if I can get away with it, I don't turn it off airplane mode until I either leave the house or I sit down to work. Yeah. Um, but sometimes if I have a call, if I have a meeting in the morning or before midday, sometimes I will just check it, you know, just to make sure nothing has shifted, nothing has changed. And of course, if you have an assistant, you can have a different system. Maybe they could text you or I don't know, a, a way that you wouldn't have to check your email, for example. But sometimes you do have to check it. But I, I have to say personally, the days where I don't check it until I either sit down to work or just get on with my day, um, that that feels so much better to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, I do check my email, but not first thing in the morning. I go through my mm. the core ritual that I have, which may or may not include my 300 burpees and or, you know, some sort of Tai Chi slash Qigong. And then I'll check it. But sometimes, you know, if I'm planning on doing that movement practice elsewhere, then I'll get into the email and I'm kind of a zero inbox guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I know everyone's got their different emails. So I'll, I'm not, you know, I have a friend named Brian Johnson who runs a company called Optimized on that. He's, he's just fanatical about, you know, eliminating all distractions and he won't touch his phone, you know, more than twice a day, probably, or three mm-hmm. times a day. And he shuts it off and locks it up like in a safe. <laughs> He's awesome like that. I'm, and I can't even get a hold of the guy. You know, I'm like, hey, Brian. And uh, three weeks later, I'll get a response. I'm back on email. <laughs> it's awesome. I can't do that. I'm a zero inbox guy. But in the morning, I agree with you. So if the days that I, let's say I'm traveling or something and, you know, I lose my mind and I check my email first thing, they never, yeah. never go as well. No, it never goes as well. I was actually speaking about this idea with my wife last night, talking about how it's everything is a minor level addiction, whether Instagram or Twitter. And you know, sometimes I'll be on my phone and I'll just see myself refreshing my Twitter feed. Uh, But you know, nothing good is going to come of that, and I'm not going (laughs) to suddenly see you know a revelation. You're not going to solve the world's problems by exactly. I'm not going to be like, oh, here's how we fix everything. It's just not. It's just there are so many better things I and other people could be doing with that time. Um, it's just this minor level addiction that we kind of all have now. Yeah. Now, I know you appreciate some soreness brought on by getting busy with a bruising workout. But doesn't it suck when excessive soreness throws us off our game, causing us to back down on our effort or even erasing those hard-won gains? That is why building recovery into our training plan is so important. Now, one way that I do that is with a simple-to-use recovery and healing tool called PowerDot. 
PowerDot is an electrical muscle stimulation device that forces type 2 muscle contractions, allowing you to increase muscle performance, speed up recovery, and also find a deeper mind-body connection. I've used complicated stim devices in the past to heal from my back injuries, but those were clumsy devices and not very effective to use for everyday use. The PowerDot, however, is a game changer because of its simplicity and the control through a well-designed mobile app. It's portable and powerful, making it usable for daily recovery or as needed for excessive soreness and to ward off potential overtraining injuries. PowerDot puts professional-level physical therapy into your gritty hands, saving valuable time and money. Now, the PowerDot team loves us at SealFit and Unbeatable Mind, and they have a generous offer for us. You can get 25% off the device when you go to PowerDot.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-D-O-T.com. And use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, all one word, UNBEATABLEMIND, at the checkout. So again, receive 25% off of one of my favorite tools for achieving increased muscle performance and recovery by going to PowerDot.com and using that code UNBEATABLEMIND. Hoo-yah. So what were some of the other common themes that you found, you know, other really good common practices that mm-hmm. you saw across, you know, the different uh, populations that you interviewed? Yeah. So even though we try not to be prescriptive, one thing we found and we really desperately recommend is uh, working out. And one thing that we, a caveat that we did put is that we spoke with so many people who work out in the morning, but we also spoke with a lot of people who work out either in the afternoon or kind of the early evening. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, we found that it didn't really affect the quality of their morning routine, affect the quality of the day when they did that. And so generally, I personally, I work out midday pretty much every day that I can. And um, for me, that works perfectly. For me, because I do a lot of writing work, it works for me to work from half eight, nine, get a lot of writing in and feel very accomplished and then work out. Whereas mm-hmm. other people prefer to work out before they start their work. So in general, we found even though we kind of promote working out in the morning, we definitely suggest trying it out if you don't normally do it. Um, we just say if you can work out at any time, you know, get the blood pumping, kind of just get a little bit of a, a stress in your life, you know, the good type of stress. Mm-hmm. If you can kind of do a little bit of that every single day or at least every single weekday at least that that is highly recommended and from the people we spoke with pretty much nobody uh, apart from a few people that were joking it was kind of funny but pretty much nobody said they don't get anything out of uh, working out yeah i can't imagine not being not getting something out of working out <laughs> like right. it's basic human need i think i think it's as important as eating you know and there's days where i've chosen to work out instead of eat in fact i that's my lunchtime ritual is to work out and not eat. <laughs> That's been that way for 30 years. That's awesome. And then I was interested to note that not as many people, I thought in this day and age that with all the research on meditation, that pretty much everyone mm. would say they had some form of meditative practice. But I, I do think that it's, it's still such a unique habit for those of us who are over 35 or 40 that a lot of people just haven't really been able to integrate it into their, their daily life. Or they say, well, I get it while I'm on my run, which is Mm. partly true. You know what I mean? (laughs) Since I teach meditation, I I know that's a partial truth. It's not the whole truth. (laughs) Yeah. I know what you mean. We're kind of, we're, we're in this little world where it feels like everyone's working out, everyone's meditating, everyone's doing yoga, but in reality, you know, like I said, we got kind of a cross section of as many people as we could for the book. In reality, these are still relatively new ideas. Like to us, it feels like everyone uses head yeah, well, We're, we're in California. Stuff. You're in San Diego. <laughs> I'm in San Everybody is working out and doing that's yoga. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that, that, that's very true. And um, yeah, we've, we've actually noticed that when we walk around downtown here, it's like, yeah, everyone is looking and eating pretty healthily right now. Right. But, um, no, totally. And um, but these, these ideas, these ideas of meditation, these ideas of the importance of working out, even though many people kind of understand them, a lot of people aren't doing it. Right. And definitely, even even for our book and on our website, for sure, many people answer our meditation question when we simply ask people if they meditate. Um, many people answer it saying they would like to, but they just haven't got around to it, or they've tried and they're not really sure. And uh, to be honest, my, my 10-minute meditation practice has only been with me for about six months. Mm. And I used to do it, so, several years ago, I used to do it more consistently, but I kind of broke out of the practice, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of... 
it goes back to my point of just keeping things incredibly short. Right. Um, so I think I started with 10 minutes when I came back to it and I've stayed there, but you could start with just two or three, uh, two, three, four, five minutes and yep. just really see if it works for you. And that's such a short amount of time. I, I really uh, don't see how someone couldn't find that time. Yeah, it really is a no excuses practice. I mean, you don't need any barbells, you know, you don't need to change your clothes. Yeah. You don't really need to do anything. In fact, a lot of times I'll just, when I wake up, you know, I'll, I'll just sit up after I drink my water and use the restroom. I'll just sit back in bed and, and just mm. begin to breathe. And then, then that drops into meditation. And that starts, you know, I guess the, the ritual starts by putting my feet in the ground, first thoughts in my head, then the bathroom, then the water. But then, you know that all just happens automatically. And then I get into the breathing and the more structured things. Yeah. No, I, I, I've, I, I found for sure there's definitely some days where, you know, it might be four or 5 PM and I haven't meditated yet. And I'll, I'll just think to myself, I was like, Oh, I don't have the time to meditate. And then I, then I just kind of look at myself and I'm like, how important do you think you are that you don't have 10 minutes <laughs> to right. meditate? Like think how much time we waste every day. Kind of back to that Twitter point. I'm like, I waste way more than 10 minutes every day. I think I can find those 10 minutes to meditate. No question. No question. Speaking of that. So, so you've been doing it consistently for six months. What's the difference for you? Like, how would you relate the quality mm. of your life after meditating just for 10 minutes? For the last six months i mean tell let the listener know how it's affected you yeah honestly i only a couple times in my life and definitely for longer meditations have i really got into a state of i don't know if bliss is the word but like really got into the not the, the kind of form of meditation that people assume all meditation is mm -hmm. a lot of the time i'm kind of just going over stuff in my head mm -hmm. um but to be honest even that is incredibly helpful for me just really reorganizing my day reorganizing my life figuring out what I need to do that day that is helps with my more long-term goals. So I have all this written down. I have my long-term goals written down. I have my daily tasks and goals, uh, goals written down. But it's easy to go off track. It's easy to think, okay, I'll just respond to these emails instead of actually doing something that will help me several years from now. And meditating just for 10 minutes a day, it really allows me to take that time and to think, you know, what, what should I do after meditating? What's the first thing? What's the most important thing I can do today that will help me in one, two, three, four years from now? And uh, that's definitely the most important thing that I've got out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. It helps you organize your mind so you can focus on the right things for the right reasons and in the right sequence, right? Exactly right. And we're, we're always, you know, so many of us are always just looking at a computer screen. And even though our minds may be slightly idle, we're not doing that organizing during that time. We kind of just need that quiet, you know, in my case, I'll listen to like water or something, you know, in my headphones, just that quiet time, mm -hmm. even if it's just 10 minutes to have that. And, you know, it, it, it's been wonderful for me, honestly. That is nice. And I noticed that a lot of the people recommend or talk about drinking a fresh glass of water or more. I remember one guy, I forget his name, said he drinks like three full eight-ounce glasses of water, <laughs> <laughs> which is great because, you know, I've been recommending that for years because, you know, you wake up and, and it flushes all the toxins out of your mouth and your esophagus and your, you know, your stomach and then rehydrates you. You get really dehydrated at night and it stimulates. It's like topping off the battery. Right. It's, right. It's yeah. To stimulate your electrochemical system and wakes you up. Boom. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. One of the, a lot uh, of people that figure that out. That you yeah. I actually, I actually started doing that recently as well. Like I, you know, I, I would always drink water in the morning, but I've, I've more recently started really paying attention to how much I drink and drinking more of it. And it, it's kind of funny because about a year ago or a little over when um, I was speaking with my editor about how the book was coming along and kind of the direction it was going, uh, she mentioned to me, she said, some of these are a little repetitive. And that has been said to us since. But I think a lot of the point of that, and we, we kind of want some of the same ideas to come up time and again, mm -hmm. because even though I've been doing the website for five and a half years ago, uh, five, five and a half years, there are many ideas such as drinking water when you wake up or putting your phone in the kitchen overnight there are many ideas i had to hear again and again and again and again until i finally did it yeah, and true. so even though we don't we don't want the book to be annoying we you know it's not that repetitive it's just a couple of times uh, the same idea may come up we just wanted people to think oh this person's also doing this or this person's also doing this thing yeah. and to see that you know it, it these are ideas that we're wanting you to latch on to and we want you to actually do. Um, so once again, it's not prescriptive. We're not saying definitely do it, but we're saying you would most likely benefit from these things. Yeah, right. I mean, I think I heard people need to hear things like seven times before it starts to land. Right. Zig Ziglar, <laughs> right. one of my favorite quotes from Zig was repetition is a mother of mastery. 
Mm-hmm. You've got to mm-hmm. hear things again and then do them. Like that's where habits come from. Habits is basically repetition. But I love your point is you got to repeat something that's repeatable, right? Uh, running right. a marathon every day for most of us is not repeatable. I would say there's very few humans in that category, you know, who could do that. Yeah. But drinking a glass of water every day, I mean, that's a no-brainer. You know, it's simple and it has a big effect. So, so it's, it's, it's all like just going to the gym. If you go to the gym and you pick up the, the biggest weight there, like especially myself, like I'm, that's going to be stuck to the floor. You know, I'm going to think that's part of the furniture. But if you go <laughs> in and you start with the, uh, you know, you start with the smaller weights, you know, the 10 pound or, you know, you really start small and then like uh, build up. Of yeah. course, that is what's going to, that is what's going to work. You really have to start small. Yeah. And when it comes to movement and exercise, even going to the gym can be a big block for a lot of people. I mean, it, it could be really inconvenient. It could be too expensive. You don't have the time. And so what we recommend is just moving. I mean, you got to live right, in right. place. You, you can do push-ups, sit-ups, burpees, squats, you know, run in place. You go for a walk. You don't need a gym, right? Exercise is really excuses free because you got your body and you, right. you have the, you know, you need a space the size of a yoga mat basically, right? Yeah. We actually had a lot of people talking about that for, we, in the book, we have a chapter on different environments, which is basically people explaining how they stick to or slightly modi- uh, modify their morning routine when they're traveling. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, many people mentioned kind of using the furniture in the hotel room, the chairs right. or something, just to give yourself something that you could do some exercises on. Yeah. That is awesome. So the common themes were most people are uh, have a morning. Everyone you interviewed, of course, has a morning ritual. Of course, they're all very <laughs> successful. Some of them look different than others. Some of them have like mm-hmm. a lot of structure, like Susan Pivot's meditation practices and General McChrystal's kind of like morning runs, cleanse, prep for the day, which he's been doing for years. And others are really fairly simple, you know, get up and have a cup of tea and read the newspaper with my wife kind of thing in silence. I mean, that's yeah. also a beautiful practice, but they'll do it every day or, or be present with the kids, get them off to school, uh, then maybe go to the gym, you know, but the bottom line is exercise, fresh water and a simple, mm-hmm. I, I read also that's just a simple hearty breakfast was, was a common <laughs> theme, uh, waking up early enough, but getting enough sleep, right? If, if, yeah. you, if you can wake up early, most people's jobs require that anyways, but not just randomly sleeping in, but having kind of a routine about that. Yeah. And, and one thing that came up uh, quite a lot as well is, um, I'll give you the example of Biz Stone. So Biz is uh, one of the co-founders of Twitter. And a, a year or so ago, he rejoined the company and he's uh, he's here in San Francisco as well. And um, he mentioned that every single morning, he just uh, plays with his son for an hour. Mm. And of course, you know, you know, he's, it's your kid, so... That's not the craziest thing in the world, but he talked about how, uh, it, it just talked about how happy that makes him, how happy that makes his kid, of course, and just how he likes that time to actually feel like a kid again before he then has to drive into the city and work as an executive. Yeah. And um, I just thought that was a beautiful point just to actually have that time with your kid when they're young and to really just slowly move into your morning routine. And um, many people spoke about, you know, spending time with your kids, spending time with your spouse in the morning, just right. to have that quiet time and really have that connection in the morning. I love that. And and that's all also points to how your morning routine or ritual will change as life changes. You know, mine, right. Mine is a, you know, 23 year old guy in New York is different than me as a 26 year old Navy SEAL, which is different than me today, obviously. Right. It's evolved. Some things had to drop off. People came into my life and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and your your routine will, like you say, it will change, it will adapt over time. Uh, We we just mentioned, I think we mentioned this in the conclusion, just make sure if your routine is adapting and changing, make sure that you are making these changes and you or that you want these changes to make uh, take place yeah. uh make sure it's not like environmental or someone else kind of changing stuff for you you know make sure it's really what you want to do yeah. and then if you do make these changes don't feel bad about it you know that's that's part of life everything's changing and if something isn't working for you so much or you want to try something else then you know do that don't feel bad about it yeah and develop the self um awareness or reflection uh to see what's working and what's not and to be adaptable Exactly. Exactly that's right. Cool. Yeah. If, if you're not adaptable to it, then, you know, that's, it's not, it's not really going to work out well for you. Right. Awesome. This has been fantastic. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Benjamin. I mean, I, I highly recommend the book. It's easy read and, you know, it's one of those things you'll flip through and just read different people. And, but then I wanted to go back and read the whole thing through and through. So <laughs> I, I read pretty much almost all of them. So well done. Uh, 
the book, My Morning Routine, and that's the website that you have, right? MyMorningRoutine.com. Did I get that? That's right. Yeah, MyMorningRoutine.com. Okay, and the book's obviously available at uh, Amazon and all the bookstores. And what's next yeah. for you guys? Yeah, I mean, right now, honestly, we're just promoting the book, uh, you know, seeing how it does and really um, kind of just enjoying it, you know, enjoying being able to speak about it, enjoying being able to write about it, and just, um, yeah, really excited to get into more people's hands because um, we, we really think it's it's a great collection of interviews, for one, but it's just a really helpful message especially when you contrast it to all the overly prescriptive kind of crazy stuff that's out there nowadays it's just a real nice way of uh thinking that it's it's easier than you think it is yeah well said i love that all right well thanks again and um if you're in san diego look me up and i'll do the same in san fran if we can do it yeah, we'll for do. you then um reach out to allison love to support cool you. all right yeah buddy. this is really fun yeah likewise all right buddy all right thanks for it good luck with everything yeah, great to speak with you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mark. Thanks. Great. All right, folks, that was awesome. Benjamin Spall, co-author with Michael Zander of My Morning Routine, How Successful People Start Every Day Inspired. You know how important this is to us at Unbeal Mind uh, Morning Ritual, which we do prescribe, although we prescribe also that you adapt it to your life and your situation and be very flexible. We do prescribe that you have one. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's super important. It's, you know, winning in your mind before you step foot in the battlefield. You have to have certain things in effect, right? Every morning, that's your foundation. Three pillars of proper sleep, great, you know, nutrition. I had my ample this morning and that fuels me up healthily for the day. And uh, movement, right? And But also, what is your purpose? What are you driving for today? What's your main target? And then spend some time in silence, either with box breathing meditation or visualization or some combination of all three. So enough said on that topic. Once again, thanks for listening. Hope this was useful to you and your time was well spent. And I really appreciate you and everything you're doing to make the world a better place. Hoo-yah. Divine out. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.